Good morning. My name is Connie Willems. It's a delight to be able to be with you this morning. In a traditional liturgical church, we would have done something called passing the peace. And I just have this sense we need to pass the peace this morning. So look at someone next to you and just say, the peace of the Lord be with you. I have this sense God wants his peace to descend on us this morning, and I'm a little bit amused by the passage that he directed me to. What we're doing this morning is picking back up with the spiritual practices series that, remember back in the before time? <laughs> if you even have any memory for back then, we were going through a series on spiritual practices, and Brock was talking about praying through scripture and scripture meditation, and then the whole shutdown hit, and we put that on hold. And during that time, we actually did a lot of scripture memories or meditation together. You might have been with us watching online on Sunday mornings as we would pause and actually pray and meditate on scripture. Well, now that we've kind of had a dose into spiritual warfare, we're picking back up with spiritual practices. I'm going to speak this morning on prayer, and then we're also going to touch in the coming weeks some more on prayer, on fasting, on giving. And these are the things that ground us in God. These are the things that point our lives to God. They're not the thing in itself, but they position us before God. And this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer. And God sent me to a passage this morning. Philippians 4, 8, and 9, that's very familiar, but I want us to read that together. So Philippians 4, 8, and 9, you can look that up in your Bible or your phone or whatever you have. And I think we also have it on a slide for you. Let's read this together. We were just doing this in worship. Rejoice always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that we just passed, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. It's been enjoyable to be in that passage but it has also, like I said, it's kind of been familiar. And I realize that one of the things that happens is, is this passage, we kind of often take it out of context. And we take it out and just kind of look at it. And you see it in a pretty Instagram graphic. And you see a nice verse that says, don't be worried about anything. Um, but the reality is it gets even stronger when we see it in context, because this book that Paul wrote to the people in the town of Philippi, he wrote it when he was in prison himself. So the man writing this, to rejoice in the Lord, to pray, to think this way, was actually writing this in prison. He was jailed. 
And not only that, but he had been in prison so many times in his life that we're not even sure which prison sentence it was from which he was writing because there were so many of them. We think it perhaps happened when he was in Rome. We're not sure because he was also in prison in Caesarea and in Philippi and in Jerusalem. So this is not a man who's had a pleasant and easy life, and yet this is what he writes and defaults to. And I look at that, not only that, he's writing it to people who actually are experiencing persecution themselves. He says earlier in the chapter, hey, you've heard that I'm in prison and you are going through the same kind of sufferings you saw that I had when I was with you. They're in a hardship and a struggle too. And so there's a weightiness to this. And I really think it means what he says when he says, don't be anxious for anything. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. And I realize that these commands seem pretty inaccessible to me. They're very strong. They're pretty inaccessible. And I realize that one of the reasons is because I'm reading this passage as if this is what it says. I'm reading it as if it says, rejoice always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Do not worry about anything. Find me, beloved, whatever is true, etc., etc., etc. Think about these things. Does anybody see anything wrong with what's up there? Yeah. What happens is I read it as if God is not present in it. And all that's left are the commands that I need to fulfill. Rejoice always. Don't worry. Think about this. But that's not what the passage actually says. This is what it actually says. Rejoice always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a radically different passage because woven through the whole thing is this interaction with God. And the beating heart of it all is the small little phrase, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Now, what does he mean by that? Does he mean the second coming is about to happen and God's going to bring his kingdom and break into history? Or does he mean the Lord is present with us as Emmanuel? Well, the answer is yes, <laughs> both of those. He's just been talking about waiting for the Lord's appearance and return. So yes, he does mean the Lord is coming. The Lord is near. History is not what you think it is. Something is about to happen that's going to break in and bring something different. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. And he's also saying the Lord is near. Our God is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's close, he's personal, he's here, he's with us. And this little phrase, the Lord is near, is what makes this entire passage possible because we're not on our own. We are not left on our own. It's not try very hard not to worry. It is something else is going on.
that makes even rejoicing and suffering make sense. Because if the Lord isn't near, it doesn't make sense. If the Lord is near, it makes sense. And you notice that when it says rejoice, it says rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in the circumstances. Paul's not saying, I'm rejoicing that I'm in prison. He's saying, I'm in prison rejoicing in the Lord. That's what makes it possible. We can be here in June of 2020, not rejoicing in our circumstances, but in our circumstances, rejoicing in the Lord because the Lord is near. And it's not just that we rejoice and we let our gentleness be seen, but there's something to do with it. It says in there, do not worry about anything, which on its own is nearly impossible to do. Because the minute you start getting churned up about something and you try to convince yourself not to be churned up about something, what happens? Do you calm down? <laughs> you get more churned up about that thing. I don't know if anybody else wakes up at 3 in the morning and your mind goes to that thing. It happens to Jay. I'm seeing it happen to Jay. Your mind goes to that thing. And you're at 3 in the morning and you would really prefer to be sleeping. And so you tell yourself, don't think about it. Don't think about it. I shouldn't be thinking about this. I need to sleep. Go to sleep. That is not the route to sleep. Paul is telling us something different. He is saying, here's your pathway. It's not try harder. It's turn to God. It's not try more, convince yourself of it, do it because it's right. It's this is the time you turn to God. And you may think, well, I'm not much of a worrier. I'm pretty easygoing. This um, word that talks about do not worry about anything, it's the idea of focused concern and attention. And we are all created with that capacity. It's not even necessarily negative. Earlier in the book, Paul says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. He's the only one who, quote, worries about you, has this kind of focused attention and care on you. So the capacity for this is not wrong in and of itself. It's what we direct it to. And we can direct it toward a thing and churn, or we can direct it and have it directed by God. The other thing I want to note is that the capacity itself in some of us can go into overdrive and we can be in such a state of churn and anxiety that we really do need help like medication to help it. We really do need some healing. We do need some help with counseling. If that's you right now, I don't want you to think, oh, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm bad for doing this. No, that's an avenue that God has opened to provide help and care. Prayer is an avenue, and that is an avenue. So I just want to say there is blessing for that. There is blessing, not condemnation, not burden, not guilt. This place, when it happens to us, like I said, it can be a place where we turn to ourselves and we get mired in the churn, but the pathway says, when you face this, don't worry do not worry about anything, but in everything, turn to God. And let your prayers be made known to God. 
And it's the idea of let your prayers and your supplication with thanksgiving be made known to God. And what is the outcome? That the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice that the outcome is not, and God will fix the thing that you're worried about. The outcome is not, and you will get everything you've asked God for. The outcome is not, and everything will be perfectly peaceful around you. The outcome is that this place where the churn and the worry happens is now guarded by Christ's peace. So your heart and your mind is where you're experiencing this. And remember, Paul is sitting in prison when he's writing this. He is putting this into practice. This is not coming out of a, wouldn't it be nice if it worked that way? This is some tested real living here going on. And you can kind of feel this in him saying, look, this is truly possible. That's why he says, peace that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense to have a heart and a mind at peace when the exterior circumstance is not a peaceful one. But this is what God has on offer for us. About um, a year ago, God sent me to pray this passage. And I wasn't particularly meaningful to me at the time. It was just a passage to pray. So I sat down and prayed it. And then I thought, hmm, I wonder if I should actually do it. I know it would seem obvious that we would actually do the stuff that's there, but it isn't always to me. And I decided I'm going to do this. So it says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's the full scope of prayer right there. The, the beginning part, the prayer, it just means pray. All kinds of prayers. All kind of prayers you do. Supplication, that's asking for something. It's what you're going to request or what you're going to ask God for. And then with thanksgiving, we all know what that is. That is thankfulness. It's gratitude rising up in you. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take that pattern and I'm going to use it. And so I said, what am I worried and concerned about right now? And it's not usually hard for me to find something that my concern is focused on. And so I said, okay, I'm going to pray about that. And so I told God how I was experiencing that and how it was affecting me. I just let that be the prayers part of just saying, God, here's my thoughts about this. Here's how it's affecting me. Then I was like, okay, supplication, asking. What am I going to ask God for here? So I asked God. And then that last piece, Thanksgiving, I'm like, whoa, I don't usually go there when I'm doing this kind of thing. That's not usually how I have this pattern. So I was like, okay, well, God, what is there to thank you for here? Surprisingly difficult to think of that sometimes. And so, but I did it. And for the past year, this has become a regular pattern that I use for prayer when I find myself concerned or upset or thoughtful or focused on something. God will kind of nudge me and said, have you done it with this? I'm like, oh, no, I haven't. And I'll do it. And sometimes it's something incredibly small. Um, a couple weeks ago, and I'm just going to tell you how I use it because I don't want you to think this is only about massive things like imprisonment. Remember it says... Do not worry about anything but in everything. And so I'm like, okay, well, 
Praying too much about things that are too small is a fault that I am willing to have. If i got to have a fault, I will have that one. So <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I have this, um, I have my, my car, the front axle joint, something in the front related to a tire is making a noise. I don't know what the noise is. The noise is not going away like I would like it to. I would be happy if car noises went away. This noise is getting worse. I'm going to have to deal with it. I don't like dealing with car repairs. This is in the scheme of things right now. It is a small thing. But I'm focused and concerned about it. So I'm like, okay, I'll pray about it. So I told God how it was affecting me. I'm like, God, I don't want to deal with it. I'm concerned about it. I hate trying to figure out how to manage transportation when my car is in the shop. It's a pain to deal with. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't really know what it is. I don't know how long to wait. I don't know when to go there. That's just expressing myself to God. And then I was like, oh, asking God for something. Supplication. What would I ask God for in relation to this? And I was like, well, help, wisdom. And then I realized something that was going on. Um, Thanksgiving part was easy. I do have to say that. I was like, well, thank you that I have the money to fix it. Thank you that I know what shop to take it to. I'm grateful that, you know, this isn't a big deal. It's not an emergency. But it was the asking that was hard for me. And I realized it was because I was thinking, God, there is such huge stuff going on in the world. This is small enough. I should be able to take care of it on my own without having to ask you for a lot of help here. And he's like, no, honey, I have infinite attention for you. I said in everything, and I mean it, ask me. I'm inviting you to ask me. And other things that I use this for are much larger than a car repair. Um, I will use this about stuff at work when I'm stuck and I'm focused or I'm concerned or a meeting didn't go the way I thought it should go. I'm like, okay, what's my prayer? <laughs> All right, what am I asking God for here? Okay, how am I going to thank God? And what usually happens by the time I get to thankfulness, it's like I'm pulled back from... Didn't you grow up in the country? We're in Oklahoma here. You know what a silo is, Right? the big round things that you store grain and feed in. Worry and churning gets me stuck on one of those with no light and no way out. And I dig deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Going through this pathway, especially getting to the Thanksgiving part, knocks that wall out and lets in light and air and lets the world look different because I'm, Thanksgiving says, wait a minute, how is God present in this? What is there about God that I can thank him for? Who is God to me in this? What goodness is here? And sometimes the only goodness I can find is, um, sadly, I, I had one of these a few weeks ago. Well, God, thank you that on the other side of this, this rough spot in me will be rubbed a little bit smoother than it is right now. That's all I had. But you know what? I realized I was willing to endure some of the roughness because I knew there was more peacefulness waiting for me on the other side. And so sometimes it gets down to, okay, God, what do I have to thank you for? Um, well, you're here. 
You're here. I'm not alone. You're here. You are with me in this. I get to experience and do this with you. You're here. It makes a huge, huge difference. Sometimes I get stuck on what to ask God for, what my supplication is, because I often realize I'm very, very comfortable venting about my issue to God, but I'm really not sure what I want him to do except make it go away. And I usually think that's not a prayer that God always um, is his primary concern for me. And so sometimes I actually default to, I don't know, but I know I can always turn to the Jesus prayer that we just sang, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on the other person in this situation. Have mercy on all of us involved in this. Have mercy on us. Other times I turn to the Lord's Prayer and I'm simply praying, okay, in this situation, your kingdom come, your will be done. I can easily pray that. I can pray, give me my daily bread today. Give me what I need to survive. Give me life. Forgive me my sins as I forgive those who sin against us. So if you get stuck, you turn to Scripture or you ask God. I had something um, a few days ago that was really tough, and I literally did not know how to ask. And I was like, God, I'm not sure. This was going pretty deep in me. And I was like, God, I do not know what to ask you for. And I heard him say, ask me to bring my glory I'm like, okay, if you brought your glory into this dark place that I'm experiencing in my heart, everything would shift. And then an hour or two later, he said, you know, you can ask me to fix that. And I'm like, well, I'm, I thought we weren't doing simplistic fixes. And he said, this is a place in you that I want to touch and to heal. You can ask me, go ahead and fix that, God. And I am faithful to do that. So I have engaged in the process of asking God, please fix that. Because I don't want to live that way anymore. Because it's something that's going deep inside me. So this pattern, next time you wake up at 3 in the morning and your mind goes to the thing, pull this pattern out. Pray it to God. Ask God. Thank God. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is with you. He is for you. He is near. And then the next piece of that is that we not just pray like the Lord is near, then we live like we pray. The next part of the passage as we get into the later verses says, think on these things. Whatsoever is good and true and honorable and right and pure, think about these things. And what we're doing there is we're saying to our minds, instead of churning about this, here's the way to think about this. Good, true, right, honorable, excellent, worthy of praise. And we keep on doing the things that we've learned and seen in others that have been taught us about God. And again, the peace of God is with us. Now, it's the thinking on these things part, again, that keeps me out of that silo. But it is hard we have all been experiencing a lot in the past months and the past weeks that has made it very difficult to think about things that 
are true, honorable, just, pure, pleasing, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. And I want to point out there that think about things that are true does not mean think about things that are nice. It doesn't mean think only about what is pleasant. There are many things that are true that are not pleasant, but they're true. So we think about them the way God would. It doesn't mean we put our head in the sand and refuse to think about it because it's not pretty or lovely. Truth, we can see through God's eyes. So if you run into that barrier of I can't think about things that because it, it, it doesn't fit this because I have to think about what's true and what's lovely and pure and commendable. Remember that things like justice are excellent and admirable and honorable and true and right. You can think about that. And you can stay within this. Even so, I got stuck because I was trying to do this right in the middle of when the protests were springing up all over the country. And it's, you know what we've been through in the past months and the underlying anxiety and tension that has spread throughout society. And then the past weeks, we've had figurative and literal matches thrown onto that. And you've seen what's happened. And I'm going to read you a little bit of what I was talking with God about. When I say read it, um, when I, it's so much easier for me when I'm going to really want to hear God to do it in writing because that helps me focus, frankly. If I just try to do it in my head when I'm doing stuff, I fritter off into nothing. So what I'm going to show you is a little bit of what I was doing with God right then. And what I tend to do is I write down what I was going to say to God, and then I give a space and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust that you want to speak to me in this, and I'm going to write down what I sense you might be saying to me in return. And it helps me focus to do that, but it also helps me discern because I can come back later and I can say, was that really God or was that me? So I don't have to worry as much about analyzing in the moment because I know that I can apply discernment later. This is what happened. I said, God of peace, I am stuck. I look at the chaotic stew of the current times. How do I look at that and also follow these verses? It seems to me like in order to think this way, I have to check out of what's happening in society. And I sense God was saying to me, Connie, where are you getting your input about all this? And I was like, um, the internet? and news sources, and news editors, and reporters, and social media posts. And I sensed God say, have you asked me how I think about all this? I was like, oh, no, I haven't. That would be a good idea. So I got stuck in the silo, and in the silo, the voices were amplified from all these sources, and one of the sources was not God. And so I was in an echo chamber of a lot of stuff that wasn't God. So I said, God, how are you thinking about this? And I just sensed a sadness coming from his heart. And this is what I sensed him saying. I am a lover of souls and of justice. I despise destruction and injustice. In every place there is a fire of hatred. I am lighting up a fire of opportunity. That's not how I'd been thinking. So I said, 
Opportunity for what, God? For turning. I am lighting up fire after fire among my people, opening up bush after flaming fired bush like I did for Moses, if people will only turn aside and look. Come watch this through my eyes, not yours. Not a reporter's eyes, my eyes. I love these souls, these burning souls. Love them with me. Be a woman of peace, speaking and praying peace. That changed my entire ability to think and to pray about everything. I began praying peacefulness, that the reign of people who reigned like God would would raise up among us. So I'd like us to do this today. I guarantee there is something in you where you've had focused, concerned attention. So let's just take some time and walk through this with God. So Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you would come among us, that you would bring your thoughts to us, that you would close off thoughts that are not from you. And just in this space about that thing that you're focused and attentive to, just express your prayer to God about it. Tell him how it's affecting you. Tell him what's happening inside of you about this.